You are amazing. Well, we're going to start out with a fantastic testimony. I'm, I'm not sure if any, I'm not sure how many of you have been aware or have seen some of the Overflow Hope billboards around the Lane County area. Has anybody here seen some of those Overflow Hope billboards? Yes, praise God. Beautiful, winsome scriptures that speak of the goodness of God. And they have a, um, they have a link so you can go and watch different testimonies of what God has done, Jesus' stories in people's lives. And what we want to do is continue to share those stories because, as we know, the Scripture says in Revelation, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And, and that's what we do. The power of testimony is so huge. When you see what Christ has done in someone's life, there's just nothing. You can't, you have, you have what is it? Someone with an argument has no power over someone with an experience with God, right? So today we're going to share one of those testimonies, and you can go to overflowhope.org, and you can share these testimonies. And what we want to do is begin to carry the testimony of Jesus Christ, and so that we'd be sharing these things on our social media platforms. How many of you guys think that good news is a good idea? All right, well, this is our own beloved Gonzalo, and he's going to share his testimony. We're going to start with that, and then I'm going to come up and uh, bring a word. My name is Gonzalo Fajardo, and I am 43 years old. So I grew up in the San Fernando Valley uh, in Los Angeles, California. Uh, gangs and drugs, crime, yeah, homicides in the streets. I was seven years old when I saw uh, my first death in, in our neighborhood. My mom was a single mom with a lot of kids for a long time, and very frustrated woman and uh, violence in my home was normal. When I first met my wife, uh, we were both into the same things, uh, doing drugs, uh, criminal mentality, uh, wrong crowd of friends, just two broken, crazy teenagers that fell for each other and I could not give her what I didn't have. I didn't even love myself. Uh, so in 01, we left Oregon for uh, Texas, thinking, uh, well, maybe uh, if we change, you know, where we live, the people we hang around with, maybe we can start over and just start fresh. But we were still the same broken people, uh, just a little older. Uh, you know, we, we had careers, expanded our family, but still as broken as before. It got worse. Uh, I got extremely depressed. I uh, got suicidal, uh, manic, and I didn't understand it. Uh, I realized then that it wasn't the place, that it was me that, that was broken. Finally, uh, my wife had enough, and, and she left Texas to Oregon uh, with my kids. At the moment, I was... Uh, over the edge. Uh, about a week after she left, uh, there was a night where where I had uh, I had my pistol. Uh, I had some drugs that someone had dropped off that night, so I had my pistols, drugs, and I was contemplating which way to go uh, to end my life. And I just fell asleep. I feel like the now I feel like the Lord just 
just gave me this peaceful rest uh, and I just passed out and fell asleep that night. That, night. that third option, uh, that lifeline that God uh, handed me that night uh, is the reason I am here today. I woke up and I remember this place called the Spiritual Growth Center that my wife and my, my mother-in-law were trying to get me to go for a while. And I made the choice to uh, start that journey. And for the first time in my life, I had said yes to God many times. I had a desperation uh, as a child, but for the first time in my li life, I, I, I did it with my spirit. I knew I meant it. And those 90 days at the center were uh, miraculously. Every, every day I felt a different chain fall off. I mean, he healed me from manic depression overnight. Uh, it, it wasn't a season, it was instantly for me. I got on a bus and left everything behind in Texas. And after I got to, to Oregon, uh, I connected with Alaire and the kids uh, shortly after that and started going to the same church that they were going to. And at some point, uh, God spoke to my wife during worship and, and told her, uh, take your husband, he has changed. I'm, I'm talking miracle after miracle, and I, I could truly say right now that I love who I am because I love who God made. Not all that brokenness that I was, not the scars that I carry emotionally and, and mentally and physically, but my essence that the Creator breathed into me when I came. I love that person, and that's what changed everything. I, I know who I am. I am his most precious creation. And that's who we all are. There is nothing God can't change. There's not a person he can't change. There's not a habit he can't break. There's not a stronghold that, that's too strong for him to shatter. Uh, you are definitely never too far gone to, uh, to surrender to him. I don't know where you are today. I know oftentimes we can be hiding in plain sight. And the reality is that we all have a journey in this life. And we may have, you know, like Gonzalo, had those times that we've cried out in desperation as a child, but we haven't really given our life to the Lord yet. And we've had those, those moments, but maybe we've stepped away from God. And you might be here today. I don't know where you are. Or you may have been faithfully serving the Lord for years. And over the last little bit, been hit so hard you're not sure if you want to get back up or if you can get back up. Wherever you are, he's right here. And his grace is sufficient for you. And whatever the question is, the answer is that Jesus is with you. Jesus is for you. Jesus will carry you. Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Whatever the question is, he has the answer and he is the answer. And so I just want to invite you today at the end of the service, we're going to have the elders and the home group leaders will be up here to pray with you. And if you're ready to give your life to the Lord, they would be happy to walk you through a simple invitation prayer 
Or if you're at a place where you realize, I need to give my life back to the Lord like I gave it to him at one point, but, boy, you know, Jesus, take the wheel, but then at some point I took the wheel back. (laughs) Today's a great day to come home. Lord, I pray for everyone this morning. I thank you because I know that you are the one that's working in each of our lives. And you're faithful to complete the good work that you've begun. And you've begun good works in us before we even knew that you were around. You were already working towards us meeting and hoping that we would choose you because you already chose us. And so I ask that today, even as I preach through these scriptures, you'd continue this work. You'd continue to touch every heart in this room. And Lord, I pray if there are those that are here, God, who have not yet surrendered their life to you and, 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 and asked for forgiveness of sins and for eternal life to know you as you are and to know themselves as, as you know them, Lord, I pray that you'd continue that sweet, beautiful, redemptive work and that today would be the day of redemption. Today would be the beginning of eternity. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen? You know, this really is what it's about. You know, you see this beautiful testimony, and if any of you guys have met Gonzalo, that dude is like, that dude, that dude is like liquid encouragement. He's like an explosion of empowerment to talk to Gonzalo is to hang out with Jesus. And he's just, he's for you, man. I mean, I don't know if you've ever looked into those brown eyes, man, but you're just like, dude, I just want you to hug me because I'm pretty sure that Jesus is talking to me right now. And the reason why is because Christ is in Gonzalo, and Christ is in each of us. When we, when we invited God into our lives, Christ himself has come into us. He said, my father and I will come and make our home in you. His desire is that we would be the temple of God. There used to be a temple that God dwelt in, but his desire was that we would be his temple. And in fact, we are. Jesus came, and now we're temples that carry the, the, the presence of God himself in this earth. And that's what we're doing. Isn't that beautiful? That's, that's, what, that's what this is about. And so this morning, we're in the week of Advent of hope. And so we're going to talk about hope. In the scriptures, it says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's what we're talking about. That's what Gonzalo's talking about. The presence of God who came and put him to sleep when he was at the end of himself so that he didn't end himself, but then restored him and walked him through. And that same Holy Spirit lives in us. We're carrying the hope of glory, Christ in us. Amen? In 2 Peter 3, and, and, and so, so I want to talk about hope and how we live this out because I don't know if you guys noticed, but this is a mad, mad, mad world, isn't it? Like people are angry out there in the world. People are discouraged in the world. People are lost. People are looking for vengeance and control and power and all kinds of different things in this world. We will have tribulation. Jesus told us that. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. But I, I don't know if any of you are, have noticed but things aren't always going too great in this world. Has anybody noticed that? And sometimes that can be super discouraging. Am I the only one? I might be the only one that looks around and sometimes gets a little discouraged about how crazy things are right now. I'm currently praying over the bill that, that, that Schumer is bringing before the Senate to legalize child, children getting married to adults and, and seeking to make that a, a national accepted thing where we have to accept 
pedophilia within the guise of marriage. That's actually happening right now in our politics. It's going before the Senate. In fact, Lord, even right now, we just say no to this bill. This, this, this bill is, 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 is a no. In Jesus' name, we pray that there would be those who would see that the things that are in this bill are not for the blessing of humans, but, Lord, or rather are a detriment to our nation. And we just ask, God, that it would be rejected and there would be better legislation that brings fairness and health and wholeness in our nation, God. But this is not that. So we say no. Amen? And so, so we live in this broken world, and we know that Christ is the hope of the nations, that the enemy is the one who seeks to deceive the minds and hearts of people, right? That they would never come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But we're here bringing the knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're seeking to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth. But in the meantime, we are seeking to hold on to the hope that we have regardless of what's happening in the times and seasons of this world. And so we look at that hope. And in 2 Peter 3, Peter is encouraging the church how to walk through this. And so I'm going to let the scriptures speak for themselves. Dear friends, this is now my second letter to you. And I have written both of them as reminders to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. I just like that. I like that language. I want you to recall the words spoken in the past by the holy prophets and the command given by our Lord and Savior through your apostles. Above all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. Just let that sink in. Is that today? I mean, I think we would see that. They will say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, God's word, that by God's word, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also, the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. And he's talking about Noah's flood when the earth was judged by water and everyone but Noah and his family was, was destroyed from the earth because wickedness had reached such a high point in the earth. God had to do, actually come in and intervene. But we know it was hundreds, it was, a, it was a very long time for Noah building the ark that anyone could have come and said, what are you building? Why are you building it? And can I get on? But only Noah and his people were the ones that chose to obey the Lord. And he says, by the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. You guys are like, wow, this sounds so hopeful. <laughs> Well, I, I like the first phrase, to stimulate you to wholesome thinking. Wow, this is important because how many of you guys know that when man doesn't have vision, he perishes, right? When we lose the vision, we perish. In another place, the scripture says, when we don't have vision, when we don't have prophetic revelation, we throw off restraint. How many of you guys have ever lost the plot in your life, right? It's like you're cruising along, and you're not raising your hand. Okay, I'm the only one apparently, but we'll just use my life as an example. But, you know, you're just in the thick of it. You're just, you're going through like 
bad day after bad day after bad day, and at a certain point, you just kind of lose the plot, and you move from working towards that beautiful vision of Christ in us, the hope of glory, and seeing his kingdom coming and his will being done and seeking to save that which is lost, and you kind of go, maybe just a couple of pints and some pizza, just a little rest in the midst of this crazy world, right? And I'm not saying it's wrong to have a couple pints and some pizza, but what I'm saying is how many of you have ever lost the, the plot, and you're like, is there some pleasure in this broken place, and your joy just starts to shrink down. Are you guys with me? You just kind of get ground down to a level of like, can I just survive the day and have one bright spot? But we're in, the, we're in, the Advent, in this Advent season of hope. What we're doing is we're meditating on, and these words from Peter, he's going, hey, guess what? By the way, guys, I'm encouraged that Peter's words were just as important to them then, and they're just as important now. Like, this is such a good word in season. I want to stimulate you to wholesome thinking right now so you don't lose the plot. And he continues to go on. I'm encouraged by this. He goes, hey, listen, guys, just so you know, scoffers will arise in the last days, and they're going to scoff at what you believe, scoff at what you're doing, scoff and make fun of the fact that you have this hope in this coming Jesus and this wrap-up of this season. That's ridiculous. When was the last time we saw him come back? In fact, I kind of think you guys believe in fairy tales. What, what do you guys think is behind that but the spirit of Satan who comes to kill, steal, and destroy? We need to be encouraged by the fact that Peter, the apostle Peter, under the unction of the Holy Spirit, told us, hey, listen, you don't have to be ignorant of how the devil is going to grind you down. Scoffers are going to show up, and they're going to make fun of you. And, and, the, and the bummer is they're going to do it like a middle schooler in a really accurate way in the place that you're really insecure about. Has anybody ever been made fun of by a middle schooler? Like, oh, man, John Mulaney, he does some funny stuff on that. But he goes, man, middle schoolers are the meanest people in the world. Like, they make fun of you, but in an accurate way about the stuff you don't like about you. <laughs> well, that's like the spirit of the age, right? The enemy comes at us like that. And, and, and start stirring up those insecurities, making fun of us. And we start having these fears coming because he wants to destroy our faith. You guys, you have an enemy. And isn't it refreshing to know like, oh, that's right, I have an enemy. How many of you guys actually forget you have an enemy? I forget. I mean, seriously, show of hands, how many of you guys forget we actually have an enemy? It's important to remember you have an enemy. Because if you don't, then who are you resisting? Like, at best, maybe you're resisting other people. I don't think that's that helpful because we have to pray for them and love them. And maybe at worst, you're resisting yourself, which on your greatest day is a draw. So the enemy's beaten up on you, and then you're beaten up on you. And what does that leave? Self-medication, that's what that leaves. We have an enemy. We must resist him. We must not be unaware of his schemes. And, I, and guys, I want to tell you this right now. When we look around the world, I'm going to get to this. It's important that we understand and grab a hold of and hold on to the grand narrative. Would you just say that? Grand narrative. And I've told you what it is. The grand narrative is that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. The grand narrative is that God had a dream in his heart and you are that dream. You together with all that will choose him, that we would live together with him and share in his glory forever. One beautiful, happy family in the garden city that he will create. 
But an enemy came and deceived those that God loves. And because of that, they sinned. And because of that, sin has been in the earth. But God did not give up, but sent his son. And whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. And he has given a certain amount of time so that anyone who will can choose Jesus. Because he will not threaten or coerce. Those are the tools of his enemy. No, he has freely given and desires that you would freely choose. It's the most beautiful, truest story that's ever been told. It's 100% true. It's what this is all about. But when we, when we lose sight of the eternity of this, when we lose sight of Jesus Christ, him crucified, risen again, and coming for us at the perfect time, the scriptures say, so that together we will share in the glory. Do you realize that there are those that have already gone before us that are present with the Lord that are so excited? Like, And it's, it says actually that they say, how long, Lord, how long until you come and take vengeance on those that are afflicting your beloved? How long until Satan is destroyed? How long, God? How long? When will you, when will you come? And on our side, we say, it says, the spirit and bride says, come, Lord Jesus. There's a longing there's a longing, but God in his goodness goes, listen, guys, here's the deal. When we have that party, we're having it together. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, John, Elijah, me, Reuben, come on. Who's with me? And together, the fullness of time, Christ will come. And let me tell you part of the story it says that there will be a day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly and of Satan. Like those people, I'm talking about the fact is like, don't try to pretend that there's not this righteousness in you that says, listen, if that person doesn't repent, God, if you are good, justice must be served. I've seen you in traffic. I know you understand what righteous indignation is. It's, it's appropriate, you and I are not the judge, but it is appropriate that there is one. Are you guys with me? Satan will be destroyed, and all of those who reject God, God will not reject them, but those that reject God will be destroyed. Those that don't want to live with Jesus forever won't. Justice will be served. It's part of the story. We have to hold on to this. Are you, you guys are like looking at me like, whoa, okay. It's, it's just in the Bible. I, I have to preach on what's in the Bible. Let's keep going. This is important, though, because you cannot have hope if there is no justice. Do you understand this? Do you understand that child traffickers who don't repent need to not live forever? Am I wrong to say that those who have sinned against God and rejected Jesus Christ, who gave his life before they repented, that if they don't repent, then they won't live forever? That's a part of the hope, is that justice would happen. And thanks be to God that it is Jesus who will be our judge, the one who gave his life for us. Because the Father desires that none would perish. So if anyone is going to perish, it won't because the Father desires it. 
but rather because an individual says, I do not want you, Jesus. I do not want you, Father God. I do not want you, Holy Spirit. I want my will to be done. And how many of you guys, if you, if you understand that Jesus says, you'll come to me, you will have eternal life. What's the opposite of eternal life is death. And so let that be God's judgment, but there is hope in knowing that in that day, justice will be served for the wicked. Those are not my words. Those are the words of 2 Peter. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. Let's continue. He says, but do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Can I get an amen? That's really good news. But everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. This is so awesome, okay? You guys, do you, do you feel the deep longing inside of you for peace? Do you feel the deep longing inside of you for the respect and honor and great communication and connection and intimacy of humans looking at other humans and just saying, I love you with a love that's greater than I can even contain. I respect you because I see that you're made in the image of God. When I look at you, I see Christ and him crucified and risen again. When I look at you, I see the smile and face of God. Can we share together in the glory that Jesus and the Father and the Holy Spirit had? And can we live forever and bring glory to him, whether we're playing Monopoly together or whether we're gardening or whether we're building something awesome like a four-wheeler? Do you long for that? Do you long to where we can extend the benefit of the doubt? Do you long for an understanding of what is objectively true? And we don't have to go to the point of like, what even is truth to even have a conversation? Do you not long for that? That is the longing of Eden. That's the longing of the dream of God that's been placed in your heart, that you were made to be with God in his garden cultivating his culture, his love, his family together without a snake. It's right that you long for this. And I want to remind you that the grand narrative is that you were created to be in a garden with God. And when your heart aches because you look around and you don't see the garden city of God and your heart breaks and something happens because you have something in you but you can't see it outside of you yet and there's a yearning, it's because you are eternal and you ache for the coming of Jesus Christ to finish the good work that he began. And so you turn to hope because Jesus Christ is the hope of glory. And only he can finish this. And, here, and here's, this is what this is saying. And I, so you see Peter's words and he says, listen, he's, he's taking a long time. 
But he's not slacking. He didn't lose the plot. Take strength in this to know he's actually giving more time. Because he doesn't want anyone to perish. He's like, golly, I tell you, I think Joshua is going to turn it around. Don't come yet. That knucklehead's just about to repent, I'm pretty sure. Are you guys with me? I'm here because he gave me more time. I'm not saying I'm not going to heaven right now. But there was a time that I'm really glad he gave me more time. Is there anybody else out there? And we're not the only ones. Dad loves his kids. And he is not in a hurry to send anybody to death. He wants us to choose eternal life. So he's given us more time. Now, when we forget this grand narrative and we begin to lose hope and we begin to lose the sight of what I'm talking about, because in fact, in fact, well, let me keep going. Let me keep going. When we lose that, we lose the ability to, to, to restrain ourselves from giving in to the spirit of this age. Are you guys with me? You, 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 you throw that off because, in fact, Jesus used the parable. He said, that day is going to along, come along and you're going to be unaware. Just like in the days of Noah, people were being married. They were having feasts. They were working. They're having babies, doing all the things you normally do. And then suddenly that day is upon them. So what does that mean? The first thing that means is there will be a world. There will be people in it. And we'll be doing all the kinds of normal things that we're doing right now. So for those of you that are like waiting for the Antichrist to show up and we're all running around naked with like some weird metaphorical beast stinging us and you're just like all dying in this apocalyptic, nihilistic, whatever world, that's not going to happen. Why? Because Jesus said that's not going to happen. He said it will be just like the days of Noah. They were being married and given in marriage and eating and drinking and doing all the things that we enjoy. Check your Bibles. This is what Jesus said. But, he says, that day will come upon them unaware. So be ready. How do we be ready? By keeping our hearts and our minds on Christ and on the grand narrative to understand that as long as he's given us time, there's still hope for, the, for those that don't know him yet. He's already coming for us, saints. In fact, how many of you guys, when you read some of these scriptures, I don't know about you, but I had some funky eschatology growing up, and it was more like Red Dawn than it was like Revival. Anybody else out there? Sort of like, yeah, it's just like you're just out there in this desolate wasteland, whatever. I don't, I don't want to go on and on. But when I think about the end of the age, I don't think about it with hope and joy. I'm more like scared that I'm like locked somewhere with the Antichrist, like poking me with sticks and stuff. And I don't even know. It's just like a horrible idea. Like, I hope I don't live to the last days. And the Lord's like, I hate to break it to you. We've been in the last days since Jesus got here. You do live in the last days. Oh, shoot. All right. But here's the thing. For those of us that are pining for Christ, what we need to understand is we're excited to be in the last days. In fact, Jesus said like angels and, and prophets yearned for the days that you live in. They yearned. They look forward to it. So, so you guys, are, you and I are blessed. We're a chosen generation that gets to be alive now. And not only that, but as, as we're looking at the hope, look at what the scripture says. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. 
Did you catch that? As we live godly lives, it actually helps to pull heaven more quickly to earth. Why? Because when we live godly lives, people see the light and salt of Christ and come into the kingdom. When you're hanging out with Gonzalo, you go, dude, I don't know what is wrong with you. You, you drive me crazy. You're so positive. You keep believing in people that have no business being believed in. And God help me, I want what you have. Are you with me? See, we pull people into the kingdom. We actually speed the coming of Christ by living godly lives, not by throwing off restraint. Now, let's keep going. That that day will bring about the destructions of the heavens by fire, and the elements will melt in the heat. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. We're talking about the garden city of God talking about the dream of God. We're talking about in that day, the kingdom has come. His will is fully done on earth as it is in heaven. You guys, we're not going to heaven. Heaven's coming to earth. <laughs> Thank you. Praise God. Revival just broke out. Do you, are we getting this? You see, what you're yearning for is to bring heaven to earth now, but we got to hold on to the big picture to understand that Jesus has to finish that job. Our longing for Eden will be satisfied. We'll live forever with him in a new heaven and a new earth. God right here with us. And this is what gives us hope. Hope to take good care of this temporary earth. He doesn't say, therefore, since this is all just going to burn... Treat it like garbage. Think of it like this. You go camping, right? What do you bring? A tent. And if you think, well, it's just a temporary camping time, and you burn your tent the first night, how smart was that? No, you take great care of your tent for the duration of the camping trip. Why? Because it's a fantastic temporary shelter. I think... We would do well to think of this earth as a fantastic tent that we need to take really good care of until God recycles it into a new earth. Because he will. And in another place, the scripture even says that creation itself is groaning and waiting for the revelation of the sons of God. The earth itself is waiting because it's been subjected to a curse. It goes, I know what I was designed for. I was designed to be eternal, to live with the people of God as part of his creation in harmony with the king of kings. Not under a curse, but under the blessing and glory of God. And I'm waiting to be recycled into God's dream. I'm waiting to be redeemed. Are you guys with me? So when we look at the end of all things... We're not to be afraid. We're actually like, you're going to 100% keep your promises and do everything you said you would do, and we are going to reign with you forever. So whatever temporary stuff happens while we're camped out in this tent, we're going to take great care of our campsite. We're going to take great care of this tent, as it were. But we're not going to lose the plot. We understand that God is desiring that none would perish, but all would come to the saving faith of knowing Jesus Christ. So whatever rain happens while we're camping, we, we went camping the other, I think it was two years ago, and I am telling you, it was, I had this inkling from the Lord, bring awnings. I was like, okay, don't you love it that God cares about these little details? Bring awnings. So I loaded up 
the awnings, two big old awnings. And so we had set them up over the main part of our camp, and we're all sitting with, because I went camping with my brothers and our nephews, and we're all sitting on these camp tables. And I'm not, I'm not kidding, it was so glorious, you guys. The sun was out, it was beautiful. I mean, it's just everything you want in a camping trip. And then all of a sudden, a wind kicks up. And these clouds come rolling in. You know what I'm talking about. And the temperature drops. I'm not even exaggerating because we looked like 20 degrees instantly. And then like Noah's people showed up. And it just poured. I mean, it poured. And water is running off like both sides of the awnings. The only downside was that there were two awnings together, so the middle was like, there was definitely like the waterfall in between. There was a little river that formed under one of the tables and like rushed through. Our tents all got soaked, but we were perfectly dry underneath that awning. God had made provision in the midst of that. And you know what happened? All the other people that were around us, they tore up camp and left because they were completely soaked. They had been completely rained out. But we were totally cared for in that moment, because God had made provision for us in the midst of that storm. You guys, that's what we're doing. He's making provision for us in the midst of the storms of this earth. He carries us along in the temporary time of this earth, but we know that this campsite is not the eternal home. And we hold on to that hope, because even in those bad days, even when it's crazy, we can actually kind of look at it and go, this is crazy. Man, I'm sure glad it's not permanent. Are you guys with me? So then, dear friends, since you're looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Don't you love that? Guys, he's going to come and he's going to finish the job. And you and I are carrying that hope. So may we not try to make eternal on this first earth what can only be made eternal on the second earth. You see, when we try to bring all of the kingdom to the earth now, without Jesus coming and finishing the jobs, what usually happens is this dream of utopia. And how many dreams of utopia lie on the ash heap of history. People were so excited when there was the cultural revolution going on in China because there was terrible, terrible injustice going on with the, with the royal family. They were horribly, horribly caring for the people. And so along came the revolution and people were excited and people who love their neighbor and like the ideals of loving your neighbor as yourself were like, praise God, this is going to be wonderful. And in comes this utopian idea of socialism and communism. And then those leaders came and killed millions upon millions upon millions of people. The royal family was absolutely taking advantage of the people. The utopian dream of communism killed millions of the people. They fell short of a true solution because why? Because it wasn't far-sighted enough to say how do we mitigate and take into account the inherent problem of evil within the hearts of people. Are you guys seeing this? We can't build a utopia on earth. We continue to live godly lives, loving our neighbor as ourself, while limiting the power 
of people so that we don't create a bigger problem through our solutions than the one that we already have. And how often do we see that in history? By misunderstanding the grand narrative, we seek to pull the kingdom of heaven to earth in a naive way. And our solutions become tomorrow's problems. I'm not saying it's easy. But I'm saying that with Christ, all things will be redeemed. And we do bring much of the kingdom into every sphere of influence now. Why? Because of the hope that's within us. So this Advent season, I want to encourage you in your hope. I want to encourage you that your hope is not in vain. I want to encourage you that everything that you and I do as we remember what God's working on will be rewarded. And I want you to not lose hope in the midst of this season or any other. Can you receive that? Lastly, there's a beautiful, beautiful scripture that I, I uh, taught my kids when we were young in the form of a kind of a rap, and it was like New King James Version. So it was, behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his works. Revelations 22, 12. And uh, so we would just teach them that. But isn't that beautiful? Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. Isn't that beautiful to know? I want to encourage you in hope in your area. We have access to more information than we've ever had before. And honestly, it's really discouraging because you know more about things that you have no ability to do anything about than in any other time in the history of the world. And, and, and in some ways, it's good to have access to knowledge, but knowledge can only do so much. And you and I have to then have discernment to say, Lord, what is my part? Because I cannot even handle knowing about all the things that are going on in the world. So I need you to be my filter to say, Lord, what's my area that I would be faithful with what you're asking from me? And you need to know this, oh, oh, hopers of hope. He will reward you for everything you've done. He will reward you for what you've done. So take hope, that thing to you that might feel small, like what good is it, my small contribution? And the Lord goes, I see exactly what you're doing in your area of influence. That, that cup of water that you gave in my name, you gave it to me. That person that you fed, you fed me. You guys, we talked about this just the other day. So I want you to be encouraged in your hope that nothing is wasted. You are bringing salt and light in every area. And you will be rewarded for it. So for those of us that are in Christ, we look forward with great hope for the second coming of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm going to pray for you. And those of you that do want prayer, um, if the elders and the uh, home group leaders would come to the forefront right now, that would be awesome because we want to pray for anybody who wants to receive prayer. But I want to pray for you myself and then dismiss you and you can either come get prayer or go out and share the hope. Lord, we thank you for this Advent season where we meditate on the hope that we have. First, Jesus, in you fulfilling every prophetic word that was given in the scriptures when you came as a man born of a virgin and you fulfilled that and you came Jesus we meditate now on when you will come again and create a new heaven and a new earth Lord we ask God that you would purify our hearts that we would have wholesome thinking 
that we would not lose the plot, but that we would continue to be diligent to share with all the good news that you are bringing justice and healing. And so therefore we have reason for great hope. And we say with the spirit, come Lord Jesus. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a awesome week.